Well, Heather, it is lovely to see you again. And all of you who are tuning in, um, thank you for joining Heather and me for our Saturday morning coffee. You know, this is uh, this feels different. Obviously, it's been a, a week of unspeakable tragedy and hatefulness. Heather, are you doing okay? I'm okay. I have a nine-year-old son. Oh. And that's hard to process, and it's hard to share with him the way the world is working. And I have an English husband who looks at me like, I mean, he's gobsmacked. Now, when you when you shared this with Ollie, your mm-hmm. son, nine-year-old, what did you what did you say? Have you shared it with him? So I did because I knew he would hear about it at school. And I don't know if what I said was quote unquote right or the best, but I said a scary thing has happened. I said it was far away from here and the likelihood of us it happening to us is slim because I think statistically that's true and I'm fortunate for that. And I said it was scary and a gun was brought to school and I kind of left it at that. I didn't go into the specific details. And then I said, I love you. And the thing that needs to be done is we need to regulate and do more about guns. Just as driving a car requires a driver's license, there are people overseeing it, insurance. And so I made that analogy. He's into cars. So he kind of thought, huh, that's good. You know, the irony, uh, forgive me for breaking in here, but the irony is that every time in my memory, uh, something like this has happened and we talk about some sort of, uh, you know, gun control or gun or reducing gun violence, uh, the NRA, which incidentally today begins its, ironically, its Mm -hmm. annual convention in Texas, Uh, in Houston, uh, the NRA or NRA people or gun owners, they say, well, you know, it's just like you can't blame the guns. You can't blame cars. Cars cause more deaths per year than than guns. Uh, And of course, the analogy falls flat on its uh, kind of uh, face in the sense that we regulate cars. We regulate who can get a license. We regulate um, what the age that people can 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 get a license? We regulate all sorts of driving aspects of driving uh, as a public health matter. That's it. And why can't we? Why can't we? I you know I again that phrase why can't we keeps on coming back. I can't tell you the number of times I've said to myself why can't we this week. Mm. Well, so you just said the convention is happening in Texas, and we know that Trump is going to be in Trump attendance. Is, yes, he's going to be um, giving a speech there, uh, obviously a pro-gun speech. Uh, you know, this is one of the areas uh, where the Republican Party has staked out itself. I remember, Heather, back in what was it, 1994, I was in Washington, part of the Clinton administration. Uh, there had been a, a shooting, a mass shooting, and uh, people were advocating for at least a, uh, a, a regulation or a, a prohibition on the sale of assault weapons, I mean, semi-automatic rifles. Uh, and nobody thought it possible, but uh, at that time, 
The Senate did take it up. The House had passed it by a very, very small margin. And there was not very much confidence that uh, the assault weapons ban could get through the Senate, but it did. Uh, there was no filibuster. Right. Uh, which looking back on it, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was uh, before, obviously before Mitch McConnell and before the, uh, the filibuster became a, a kind of a weaponized, if you forgive the expression, uh, uh, process, uh, but it got through. And eight Republicans voted in favor of the assault weapons ban in uh, 1994. Uh, four of them, liberal Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, we used to have those people. Right. Um, Bob Packwood mm-hmm. and Mark Hatfield, both from Oregon. Right. Both. Now we have Kirsten Cinema. Oh, no, she's not a... No. Well, we don't have liberal Republicans. Republic. Oh, forgive me. We have conservative Democrats. <laughs> oh, right. Um, but it was amazing that it got through. And it was a 10-year... I mean, it was it, the only way they could get it through was to say, okay, we're going to reevaluate it after 10 years. Um, but it did result in a dramatic decrease in mass shootings. And then after uh, 2004, when the assault weapons ban went back into effect, uh, or w- was, was taken out, right. was, was actually um, uh, kind of the moratorium was, was gone, uh, mass shootings went up tripled, I mean, three times the number of mass shootings that we had before the assault weapons ban. Um, I mean, the numbers are staggering, Heather. Uh, There were 400,000, and I remember this, 400,000 semi-automatic weapons in circulation in the United States before the assault weapons ban. And then it it went way, way down. Uh, But then after the ban was removed in 2004, uh, it went way up again. And the last figure I saw was some staggering. I think I, I wrote it down. I was uh, something like 20 million assault weapons in the United States. In circulation right now. In circulation right now, 20 million. Uh, if you look at just guns, it's it's close to 300 million. But assault weapons, uh, about 20 million. And um, why assault weapons? I mean, what can you do with an assault weapon other than hurt a huge number of people I know. very rapidly. Well, and it's, I think it's machismo. And I read one article that says, you know, you can get one in five clicks online, five clicks. Well, it's a, uh, I mean, if, if Australia, uh, a country that right. is as ruggedly individual wild west as America can around the same time really reduce gun violence because they bought back guns. They actually they had a major program uh, of not only legislation banning all sorts of uh, weapons and requiring registration, but buying back guns right. from gun owners. Uh, and uh, again, it was a huge success. Yeah. We need to do more of that here and we need to study it and then well, they say it even, works if it works. It, it, uh, what worries me is this fatalism. People uh, that I've run into all over, they say, well, nothing can be done. Nothing can be done. Uh, it's as if uh, they've given up on America, given up on the United States. I've confessed sometimes I feel that way. Um, I can, may I ask you this? So we mentioned earlier that Trump is going to be in Texas. But one thing that's been interesting in the past weeks are what we're seeing with these primaries. Yes. If there's one 
little shred of positive news. It's that uh, Trump is is no longer infallible. Uh, in fact, uh, he his candidates, uh, his endorsement uh, really uh, did not do well. Georgia, right? Uh, I mean, there was a complete blowout uh, for Trump endorsees. Uh, but if you look across the map, you see the Trump. Um, his candidates lost in, in not only Georgia, but in Nebraska, North Carolina, Idaho. Uh, his choice uh, for the Senate Republican primary uh, is mired in a recount. Uh, this, is, this is hardly infallible. This is hardly the, the, the kind of power that he wants. To, you know, Donald Trump is powerful because people think he's powerful. This is, this is, the, element, this is the, the essence of political power. When people think you're powerful, you're powerful. But if he loses that luster, the kind of emperor's new clothes, uh, I think he becomes very vulnerable, particularly to DeSantis and um, also to Ted Cruz, who, are, who, are, who have their eyes on 2024. Not that they would be much better than Trump. I was going to say, it makes me very worried. Uh, but um, it, it also means that people like Liz Cheney are safer mm-hmm. uh, because all over the country, uh, the Republicans who are more responsible uh, to the extent that there are any uh, will have a better shot. And people keep talking about Biden's ratings being low. What is... Oh, don't pay attention. You know, okay. uh, people are constantly looking at presidential ratings. You know, Ronald Reagan, uh, at this point in his presidency, uh, was at exactly the same 40% approval that Joe Biden is at right now. And Ronald Reagan went on, you know, not only did they do well in the uh, in the 1982 midterms, but they did, you know, he was reelected and he is thought of as this great powerhouse, this great political powerhouse. Uh, so I don't think we should pay attention, honestly, uh, to Biden's low ratings. We get terribly, terribly concerned about them. I actually, Heather, now call me a, a wild optimist. You wild optimist. Yes, I know you were going to say that. <laughs> but, but, you know, I look at... Uh, abortion and guns. And these are the two areas where Republicans, they have not done anything. I mean, in Congress, they've done nothing uh, except uh, lower income taxes uh, and corporate taxes for the very, very wealthy. Uh, but on guns and abortion, that's these are the issues that they are have been pushing for years. Uh, and I think uh, that there's going to be, in twenty. We're going to see it in 2022. We're going to see it again in 2024. A mass mobilization uh, in favor of a woman's right to choose and children's right to be safe. Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly why I am so certain of this, but I hear about it. Uh, I've been around forever, uh, and I just my my political instincts are pretty good. Uh, I think the people are going to rise up good. against this. And I mean, we talk to so many young people in our line of work, and they do express a fatalism and a cynicism and a feeling ineffective, a lack of agency. We did, we rallied last time, look where we are now. But I do, I've sensed in the past you know, week that people are so angry about these particular issues that they are getting fired back up. I think they're getting fired back up. And also, you know, you look at Georgia. And I want to just stop and pause in Georgia for a second because we were so concerned about voter suppression 
Uh, and the numbers of people who came out in Georgia really did defy all of those fears. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that if Georgia is a bellwether, and it could be uh, in many ways, uh, we're going to see a, a, a huge, huge response, uh, a democratic response right. in the midterms. And it was a relief to see Kemp, Kemp and Raffensperger. Yeah, no. and they, you know, not that they're great people. No, I mean, uh, I, I, I think Stacey Abrams uh, is going to win the governorship in Georgia. It's about time she deserves it, yes. but she's also brilliant and a brilliant organizer. Yes, uh, I think Democrats have learned a lot. Now, again, I, um, I have been accused before of being a Pollyanna. You have accused me of being a Pollyanna, uh, but I'm going to be right about this. Oh. Uh, Good. It's been a tough week. Hmm. It's been a tough week. And I hope uh, the trauma, let me just speak to all of you out there, as well as to you, Heather. I hope the trauma that we've all been feeling, I hope it, uh, I hope it subsides and I hope it's replaced by a determination, uh, as it has been before, to change this nation toward what it must be. Here, here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Talk soon. Have a good week.